When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. We've got two elephants in the room already. One. They couldn't give us a week of Ben Simmons-less news. I was just going to come onto this podcast today. It's a Wednesday. It's a late afternoon. Myself, Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, my co-host, keeping it 94, you know. Back as usual as a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. But they couldn't give us just one week without Ben Simmons news. And the funny thing is, the news that dropped on Wednesday, is it really news? It's just worded in a way that is doom and gloom intends to never play another game for the Sixers. That's Ben Simmons. Probably not going to be in Philly this year. We've known it for about two, three months. But that's just the way the news is. It's how it goes in the NBA world. Once Woj says something, it's fact. It's done. So we will touch a little bit on Ben Simmons. And the second elephant in the room. My Cleveland Browns are set to take on Fritzy's Chicago Bears in a showdown for the ages between two Midwest ball clubs on the gridiron. Bang. Spencer, without going any further, I've been doing podcasts for the last 15 years, and uh, I thought I was going to do this last year. But after kind of looking at the landscape, I have decided now is the time that I would like to retire from podcasting. And I want to spend more time with my family. Oh, wait, that's J.J. Reddick from the NBA. I apologize. Oh, that's right. Big time story today, actually. J.J. Reddick, kudos to you. Salute to you, sir. 15-year career. Didn't quite make it to the promised land with an NBA championship. He did get to a finals with the Magic in his third year. That was as close as he got. He was on some really good teams. I think the Clippers was really when he hit his highest peak. The Philly 76ers run that he had was really solid. Didn't last too long, though. And then obviously uh, last year with the Pelicans. Kind of went by the wayside and realized his athletic mortality, as he referred to it as. But what a sharpshooter. What a guy that could come off screens and really make you make you pay. He was a lot better towards that, like, prime of his career at putting it on the floor, too. He wasn't terrible at that. He was a guy He found a niche, and he he, he stuck around. Well, the thing is, too, like, when he got drafted by the Orlando Magic, 
And there was all this clamor about, oh, this stud from Duke, we got to get him in the lineup. And Stan Van Gundy would not regularly play him because he said, you don't get to play until you work hard on defense. And Stan drilled that into him and made him earn that time. And while JJ was never a shutdown defender, he greatly improved on defense and he earned that playing time. And we all know about like um, how great of a shooter he became or basically was his entire career. And that's what he's known for. But he was a guy that really worked on his game and he improved uh, during his career. And by the way, just all time great guy as well. I remember my time working in uh, sports talk radio in Orlando before the season, we were allowed to like um, write out liners for the different uh, players. And we would hand them over to like uh, the uh, Orlando magic and they would get the players. They had their own recording booth and they would get them to, to read stuff for us. And we would try to come up with like weird stuff. Like some of it would just be like, Hey, this is so-and-so and you're listening to whatever show, you know, kind of thing, which, you know, you get that as well. But I, we had one of our hosts that was like obsessed with JJ and at the time, it was like when Anchorman was coming around. So we we got JJ to do these liars and say, no, I do not want to get in an apartment together and different things like that. And JJ had no problem ever reading any of this stuff and was fantastic at it. So all-time great at that as well. But um, congratulations to him. And I, I kind of, I think a lot of people wondered if this was going to be what happened because he kept delaying uh you know, signing with the team. And there was talk like, if he is going to play this upcoming season, it's only going to be... Uh, on the East Coast with, like, the Knicks or the Nets or the Celtics or the Sixers. And, you know, after taking a step back, I think he has felt like now is a good time for me to retire. He's got other things between his podcast and other uh, business things that he wants to pursue. And on top of that, he wants to spend time with his family. He's got two uh, young boys. And uh, kudos to JJ for um, making that decision and doing what's uh, right for himself and his family. Absolutely. I, I was going to ask you that actually before you provided that little anecdote, if, if you had any impartiality uh, to Mr. Reddick during his career, since you are, you know, around that, that Orlando area quite a bit. So, yeah, he was, he was great to, to be around and to cover even just the, the little bit that I got to be around him. So um, no, he, he was, he was always a good dude um, to be around and um, always treated media very fairly. Um can't say that about recent his recent time with GMs, I guess. But <laughs> you know what, though? I, I will say this, because I'm not saying that he was being unfair, because I don't think he was. But with JJ, you always felt like he was being very honest. He was very blunt about different things. And he was, he was not going to sugarcoat things. It wasn't like he was going out of his way um, to be more than honest. But he, he was not going to say something just to say something. I mean, he, he was going to be very honest and upfront with you about things. On to Mr. Reddick's former teammate in the city of lovely love. We got to talk about him again, Brian, but let's keep it short and sweet because we've only been talking about this for the last four episodes, maybe longer. We might've been talking about this for honestly, like 10 episodes of the last keep it in 94. Ever since the uh, the NBA playoffs. Ever since the damn playoffs. Okay. Ben Simmons, the newest report is that he will not report to camp and vows to, like I said in the introduction, 
never play for the Sixers again. He hasn't spoken with the team since a meeting in late August. He doesn't care if he's fined. He doesn't care if he's suspended. He knows that he's going to be have his salary withheld. So it's it seems like, you know, the writing's on the wall here. Huge news, I know. Uh, but I, I don't I don't want to go through like what teams make sense and stuff like that. I, maybe it's better to say what teams don't make sense. I mean, we've seen some silly reports going around already, uh, speculation and all that. But it's more or less the idea that Sixers aren't going to have Ben Simmons on their team this year. We're going to see who they do have at point guard and who's going to be running in transition with, you know, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and Danny Green if they're not a part of a trade package with Ben. So what's your take on the situation? Um, this is, again, not really news, but it's just resurfacing. So It's, it's nothing surprising. Like you said, it, it's things that we've already basically known about, especially since he had that meeting in late August with the team and said, I don't want to be here. It's more or less just reiterating that he's not going to show up for camp because the Sixers have been trying to sell him on the idea of report the camp, play for a little while. It will help your value in getting you to go to a place where you want to go. And Ben and his camp are like, no, that's not what I want to do here. I do not want to report the camp. Uh, camp's in a week, and I am not going to be there. I do wonder, though, everybody talks about, like, there's fines. They don't have to pay him. All these different things that could happen. I kind of wonder, in like a show of good faith, if the Sixers say, "Fine, if you don't want it, if you're not going to be here, we will work on a trade." However, we're not going to find you. We're just going to tell you to stay home, and this is what's going to be best for everybody as we pursue a trade package. So that way, the Sixers don't come off as being vindictive in any way. And it's like, we're going to try to do what's best for the player. We're not just going to give him away, but you know, at the same time, we are not going to go through all the trouble and the fights and the way that people can look at us, whether rightfully or wrongfully, however you want to judge us of saying that we are going to find him. We're going to suspend his pay. We're going to do all these different things. Just, Hey, we're working with Ben to come up with an amicable amicable solution to this problem and that's finding another home for Ben but also making a trade that is best suited for our franchise as we try to contend for a championship can you please detail the silly season that's going around about Ben Simmons in Houston do you really want me to do that yes because I, I just want to just go just just say it just say okay. what's up. There, there was one wild report that's out there that said that the Sixers were engaged in a trade with the Rockets or trade talks that would involve John Wall going to Philly. And I'm sitting there going, that makes no sense at all. When that popped up on a radar, I think everybody at the site was kind of like, what? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't even work financially because you'd have to add more salary with Ben. Yes, <laughs> you do. It's not that much. I think you have to add a little bit though, but it's just like, it, it doesn't make any sense in that Philly is trying to contend for a championship. Why would they want to take on John wall who John can still play in the league, but 
John's not going to be that missing piece, you know, and he's not going to be like the number two, you know, behind Joel Embiid and helping lead the Sixers. So that, it just does not make sense to me, uh, that trade in a, in a variety of ways. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the Rockets would like to have been um, because he is still really young and, you know, they're rebuilding their team and whatnot. But to me, that trade made absolutely no sense. And I don't even know how it would work for the Sixers. The asking price reportedly earlier this summer was like four first round picks. And now you're telling me that they're going to go ahead and settle. And this is, you know, nothing against John Wall. He's a great player. I think his actually, I think his skill set actually would be very good for the Sixers because he's not afraid to take a shot. He's not afraid to mix it up inside, attack the rim. He's even a solid passer, but not at forty three million dollars and what they would you know have to take to do that. If it was a buyout situation and you could get him on the cheap and you added him, yes. But you can't just give up Ben Simmons in a trade package where the biggest piece you get back is John Wall. But yeah, that that was my that was going to be my you know my point. He's aging. He has an injury history. I think he played what less than fifty games last year, maybe less than that. <laughs> um, I just don't think that that's the exact price range you're going to want to match. Now, Houston could offer really good draft capital. Don't get me wrong. But then I think of it from this angle. Why would Houston do this if it costs them draft capital? You have your future backcourt already set with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. I know that Ben Simmons isn't technically like a point guard. You don't have to play him in the you know the backcourt. He's basically like a Luka Doncic. You play him uh, not talking stylistically, just talking size-wise. Uh, you can play him at the three or the four. Um, and he's just kind of your Mr. Do-it-all uh, type of player. But I just don't see giving up draft capital or giving up somebody. If it, if all it takes is John Wall, then fine. Yeah, that, that, then yeah, do it. Um, but I just don't think that they will be able to do it straight up and not include any draft capital. And I don't think it's worth including any draft capital to do so. By the way, John Wall played 40 games last year, 40. I think the only uh, way a Ben Simmons trade gets done is if Daryl Moore and the Sixers back off a little bit on their price. It's not to say they're not going to get some pieces that aren't going to help them, and we know that a lot of this is posturing by them. But I think we all know, you know what the value of Ben Simmons is and what you could actually get. And I'm sure, you know, Daryl, more than anybody knows what's really out there. You know, he's trying to maximize value. But what's it going to get? What, what's the impetus going to be to where they say, okay, if we back off just a little bit in our demand, and we know it might even be a little bit lower than, than that, but that if we back off just a little bit now, Maybe that starts more conversations. That opens the door in a few more places to get the ball rolling. Because, I mean, in a perfect world, you'd like this to be done before the season. The yeah. Sixers. You don't I, want I, to drag. I, you don't right. want to drag. And we, we all know how it goes with Rich Paul clients. He gets things done pretty easily. Pretty yeah. Quickly too. I, I think Daryl would be like, hey, we'll, we'll take as long as this needs. But at the same time, we know what needs to, would probably be best for the Sixers you know, and just kind of moving forward, move off this. You don't want this hanging over your entire season. You don't want this to be a drag. I'm not saying you just give them away, but there needs to be some kind of avenue 
where even if it was done, you know, within the first month of the season, uh, that you can find something that is worth it for you to, to make this move and, and to move on from Ben and, and get what you can and get these pieces, you know, for him to help your season. I mean, and like I said, you want it to get done as soon as possible for a variety of reasons. One, like I said, you don't want hanging over the entire season Two, the perfect world. You'd like to get whatever players you're going to get for them in there in camp so they can, you know, get to know the system because if they're not in there during camp and they're kind of getting to know it during the season, it's just going to take that much longer to develop any kind of chemistry or integrate them into a system. So, you know, it's, it's, it's this tough situation because you're, you're trying to get what you can for the guy, but at the same time, you know, you, you want to get it done in a hurry, but not so quick that you're just, you know, taking whatever package and in, in not getting what you really want. So it's, yeah, we we know the whole story behind this and you know what's going on here and is this going to drag and who the suitors are for him and all that jazz. It's it's now up to seeing does this latest move by Ben and not going to camp is this going to speed up the process or not. That that's all we're at right now. Yep, yep. And you know, maybe it happens within you know 10 games of the season starting or maybe it happens pre-camp I probably would lean towards more of the former uh Stein said in his his column today on Substack really good column by the way um every Tuesday for him uh basically that Daryl Morey's hoping for a slow start for the Blazers or the Kings <laughs> maybe maybe desperation happens and bad start leads to Lillard asking out or the Kings make De'Aaron Fox available as I uh tongue-in-cheek suggested a few months ago (laughs) because Simmons to Sacramento is still alive and well, baby. I I still think the package that makes the most sense, which we mentioned last week is still a buddy healed Halliburton package. Yeah. Yeah. Toronto's in there. Minnesota's in there. Cleveland's in there. San Antonio's got some pieces. So let's the, see. The Spurs are the team I'm kind of most interested in. If they're sniffing around, like I'm not exactly sure what the fit is or what the trade would be, but um, it's interesting that that they're kind of. I'd love to see Dejounte on the on the, the the Sixers. Yeah, if if that if that was part of the part of the deal or something. But I think that's uh, enough yeah. Ben talk for this week. I was just gonna say that I was like, we definitely went way too long on Ben, but you know what? That's the relevant news of the day. So that's just how it is. It's it easy to get hung up on uh, the Ben Simmons talk. It's the same thing over and over. How many times are we going to recycle the same story? Come on, guys. Come on. Well, we'll recycle it next Tuesday when he officially does not show up for camp. <laughs> wait, Report. no, on Monday. Ben wait, Simmons wait. is not coming to camp. I, on Monday, same. it's going to be, it's media day here in Philly. Where's Ben Simmons? Oh, he didn't come. It's official. Ben Simmons did not show up for media day. And everybody's yep. going to talk about Ben Simmons isn't here. So we'll hear more from Doc and we'll hear more for Joel Embiid and everybody else than Tuesday. Well, when they say something on the record, that's when it will matter. But if it's the same report over yeah. and over and over again. <laughs> but I'm just warning you, this is what you're going to be doing next week is you're going to be uh, writing and editing stories, right again, right? you know, about, uh, Everybody in Philly and what they're saying about Ben not being there. <laughs> oh, Brian, why do we do it? Why do we do it? Okay. Um, all right. So you just mentioned it. Media day is in Monday. Next Monday. That means there's five days 
five. Count them. Until we start it up and camps start afterwards. So, what you got on here, you got quite a few scenarios. You're clearly prepared for this segment. I'm getting dialed in for the season. I have a, I have a bold faced question that I'm going to have to think about on the fly. But as we talk about these things, I'm sure that I'll think of some things. What are your most intriguing stories of the upcoming season? Yes. I came up with 10. It's a lot. It's a lot of scenarios. And I'm sure, and I didn't give you this homework. I just kind of came up with it earlier today as we were kind of bouncing around ideas what we're going to talk about. So I probably was not fair to you about this and gave you ample time to come up with some. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, and I'm sure there would have been some. No, overlap. I can look unprepared to the audience. It's fine. They know that the Browns just played three days ago. You're it's not, okay. Yeah, it's okay. You're still swept up in brownies win, you know, so that's okay. And, you know, I know you were almost a part you can of hear the, how raspy well, my voice is people. Yeah. Come on now. You were almost a part of that big brawl that happened outside the stadium. But, you know, luckily you said, you know what? I'm representing a big conglomerate over here. I can't get mixed up in this melee. He's going to focus. He's going to Photoshop that guys. Just, just wait for it. (laughs) But as I was, uh, I was thinking about like intriguing stories for the upcoming season. And I just kind of jotted things down. I was like, I can come up with 10 off the top of my head. And I just kind of wrote them down and uh, we can go through my 10, spend a couple minutes on each one. And then, you can give me any other big ones you think that are, are missing. Cool. Yeah. So I, I think the obvious one to me is can the Milwaukee Bucks repeat? Can they win back-to-back championships? And what do you think the chances are that that can happen? Ooh. So uh, I think that they are going to have the best regular season record in the East. Okay. Uh, they're riding off a wave. Uh, they kind of got over that proverbial hump, right? I don't think that they're going to repeat. I think that they'll probably, they'll probably get to the, uh, will they get to the conference finals? Yeah, they'll get to the conference finals. They'll get to the conference finals. Uh, but they'll lose in the conference finals. I think, um, I think that they have the same, you know, the same pieces, the same energy, the same focus. Uh, but there's just something, and, and this might not even be a basketball reason. This, this is an outside of basketball reason uh, with basketball principles is teams that win championships have hangovers. And, and this isn't going to be as hard of a hangover. It's not going to be one where they miss the playoffs or that they don't play well the next year. I just think that, you know, it's another team's time. I think, you know, Brooklyn's got something incredible brewing if they stay healthy. Uh, we just visited Philadelphia. They'll be, you know, there's a chance they're going to be, they're gonna be a new look team. Um, so, you know, I'm interested in that dynamic. I'm intrigued by, you know, a team like uh, the, the Miami Heat. There's a lot of competition in the East. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's all dependent on whether everybody stays healthy too. That's the other thing. Uh, that we don't really visit too much. Um, they absolutely have a chance to, to, uh, to do it. I just don't think they're going to do it. If that's, if that makes sense. And, you know, 
offseason wise, I don't like them losing PJ Tucker. I think that's a huge loss just veteran wise, but he was only around for like half of the season. If that, um, after he got moved over there, they brought back George Hill, great leader. And I know that Giannis loves him. Um, same team, essentially same core and everything. Um, I just got to see how they respond when they're expected to win now. And that is a different dynamic. And I think you make a, a good point about the hangover because that can be. And, and there were so many questions in Milwaukee with Giannis of like, can he even stay? Can they really contend in this market? All these different things and the couple of years of disappointment, but they overcame it all to the point where, you know, they win the championship last year. And there's so much work and effort that goes into that, that there can be a hangover. Plus, you know, last season to this season, once again, a little bit of a, of a shorter off season, you have that hangover, which is just a natural thing that can make it tough. I, I think the biggest thing that helps them though, is that their star player is probably just now entering his prime as good as he is. He's probably right now entering his prime. And that's a huge bonus in that with Giannis, he seems to be a guy that is still hungry that I don't think is going to rest no. on what they've done. So that's a huge plus. Yeah. And he won't rest on his laurels. He's yeah. not a type to do that. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, they bring back almost the entire team. Bobby Portis coming back, you know, even on a cheaper deal, um, you know, they get uh, Dante DiVincenzo back, you know, after he had the injury last season. So. Yeah, he was missing most of the playoff run. He got, lo- he got lost in the first round. Right, you know, so, they, I mean, you know, they bring in, you know, Grace Nallon, they bring in Rodney Hood, so they get some other role players there. So, you know, they've got the tools, I think, to do it. It's just, can they find that magic, you know, once again? And it's going to be tough in the East because – the East is the deeper conference coming into this upcoming season. And um, I think that brings us into the second question, which is you mentioned the nets and we all know about their big three. So to me, one of the big intriguing stories of the season is can anyone beat the Brooklyn nets if they're healthy come the playoffs? And that's the wink wink, right? Do we know if they can stay healthy? You know, like, and you know, two of their players have shown that, there's definitely injury concerns sometimes. Kevin Durant, he obviously just did some superhuman stuff last year coming off of the Achilles injury in, in 1920, um, having missed an entire season and then yet, you know, coming back and looking the way he did. Don't think it's ever been done in history, especially at somebody his age. Uh, pretty ridiculous. Kyrie, uh, same thing. You know, he's dealt with some some nicks and bruises here and there. Um, can, can he stay healthy? Harden finally, you know, looked like he's starting to, to feel some effects, um, of some wear and tear over the years, but if they stay healthy, I think it's really tough to stop them. Uh, they might not have the best regular season record because I think they're going to sacrifice a few of those games here and there to make sure that they're big three, either all of them or pieces and parts of them, uh, sit on the bench and, get an opportunity to rest because they're going to prepare for the meaningful parts uh, of the year, which is of course the postseason. Um, you know, I could see him being, you know, two or three seed, but does it matter is the question, you know, does that matter? 
uh, because, you know, as we know, last year when KD had to do it, you know, quote unquote, all by himself. And when Harden was on, you know, one leg, uh, he was looking really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that we're in any place to question Kyrie, uh, Kevin Durant's, uh, you know, individual skill set at this point uh, or his, you know, determination. Same goes for Kyrie when he's he's on and when he's focused. Uh, so it's really it's really tough to count these guys out. I liked the the pickups that they had, just bringing in veteran guys, uh, and you know, and some ring chasing going on. But who cares? They're you know they're a little older. A guy like Paul Millsap, you know, bringing back Lamarcus Aldridge. Hopefully, uh, you know, he stays healthy. Um, you know, Patty Mills being a guy uh, who got in on a, a very team friendly contract and somebody who's coming off of an amazing FIBA year um, and, and, you know, keeping most of their important guys, you know, the, the, the biggest guy they probably lost I'd say is, is Jeff green. Jeff green's a tough one because, you know, he always seems to be around those winning situations. Uh, but I think that they replaced it. All right. You know, they brought in uh, James Johnson, uh, who's absolutely, you know, tough guy enforcer type. Um, you know, I, I, I like their roster. I like their, I think that their depth is a little bit uh, better here. Um, so, you know, in addition to those ridiculously talented three, and and by the way, uh, Nakias Duncan did a, a preview of the Atlantic division uh, in its entirety today. So make sure to check that out on basketballnews.com. But those three, when they shared the court together in uh, half-court situations, uh, their their offensive rating was like, 121 or something stupid. Yeah, here, like the Nets scored 121.6 points per 100 possessions when those three were on the court together last year. So pretty hard to stop. Very hard. And and I I think most of the season is going to be spent resting guys and finding chemistry because they are so deep that it's like, which guys do we think are going to work best together? So that way we have this all fine-tuned and everybody is rested and good to go come the playoffs. And that means what's the role for, is there a role for LaMarcus Aldridge when it comes to the playoffs? And same with Blake Griffin and same with Bruce Brown and same with, you know, you know, you mentioned James Johnson and, and Mike James going to find playing time and Nick Claxton, all these different guys. We know about the big three, okay? It's about preserving them and making sure that they are you know, as close to a hundred percent as possible when the playoffs come and then just managing the minutes for everybody else as well and finding chemistry and figure out the lineups that are going to work best for us. Once we hit the postseason and just managing all of this through the regular season, you know, regular season, that's back to 82 games. And, you know, if they're healthy, I mean, obviously they are the favorites They're, I mean, I'm not saying they're unbeatable, but, that's as tough of an out as you will find in the NBA because, you know, when those three guys got put together, everybody kind of wondered like, ah, how is this going to work? There's only one basketball. Yeah. I don't, I got huge questions about this. It worked. Kevin Durant makes it work. And, you know, even when it came to Kyrie and Harden, they made it work. They figured out their roles. So that's not going to be a problem. It's just about staying on the court together and just finding out the chemistry and the rules for everybody else. And, uh, you know, they are the favorites for a very good reason. And um, like I said, I don't think it's impossible to beat them, but it's going to take some kind of extraordinary effort 
from another team to do it. No question. No question. And also, you know, a year of experience extra for, for uh, Steve Nash. Now he's not the first time head coach anymore. Yes. So, you know, he's gotten, you know, gotten some of that experience. Same with his staff, you know, guys like uh, Amari Stoudemire, um, you know, who are you know kind of first time guys. Uh, that's big time for them. Big time. And having gone through what they did in the playoffs, absolutely going to help them. Absolutely going to help them in the long run. So, next one. How well, will the new Lakers do on the court? And how long will it take? And I think that I should serve this one up to you, uh, Mr. Purple. No, I, actually, I want to I hear your thoughts about this first. Oh, turn it around on me. Um, well, one, I know never not to doubt number 23. Or he's going to be number six this year, isn't he? I mean, number six, I think. Yeah. So... Uh, the guy who wears the crown, not going to ever doubt him. Um, you know, last year kind of ended on a sour note for them. They started out looking like just invincible, right? And then the injuries came along. Finally looking like there's a little bit of, uh, a bit of uh, you know, some, some injury issues, uh, LeBron-wise. Uh, Anthony Davis, we know that he's had his fair share, uh, but he, he went through some of that. Um, the big man rotation was kind of wonky, you know. Uh, it just kind of all crumbled in a way. And Phoenix was just firing on all cylinders at that point. Um, but I think that this kind of injects a new life into him in a way. And, uh, you know, I want to see what Russ does. I do. I want to see what Russ does. Knowing that he's contending for a title now um that's always fun no because that just guys gives a guys an extra boost you know just in morale and in knowing that he's also near home um probably huge for him we you know we don't talk about the the other additions that they brought in a lot of guys that again you know this is the the formula a lot of the veterans that you know go after rings or whatnot um, Carmelo Anthony being one of them, but Melo more than deserves to, to do that. We'll see, you know, what his role is because there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, vying for playing time in front of him. But I'm also curious to see, you know, what a guy like Malik Monk does. I, I'm I'm so intrigued by Malik Monk's skill set. Just in Charlotte, he showed so many flashes. It's just inconsistent playing time with him. Um, you know, I think Kendrick Nunn uh, could also find himself on the floor doing some solid things for them. Uh, you know, they brought in their shooters. You know, Wayne Ellington's back. I don't know how many, you know, minutes he's going to get. Uh, it's going to be tough to to kind of cobble together a rotation. Um, and it's probably going to take a minute for them to gel a little. But I think they'll have it figured out by the time April and May rolls around. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be good. I'm not I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to be stupid and say that they're not going to be good because, I mean, regardless of the questions of spacing or whatever that they had beforehand, you know, they just got the band back together. I mean, Rondo's there again. Howard's there again. Um, you know, pieces are, you know, they fit. They fit for me. First of all, congratulations to Anthony Davis, who just got married this past weekend. I'm he sure did, my and he was, he was singing some rendition of a song that... <laughs> Oh, buddy, he was he 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 had a little bit. Uh, he had yeah. a little bit. 
It's why he's a basketball there. player, not a singer for a living. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm sure my invite got lost in the mail. Let's you know, I, I, I those things happen. We'll blame it on the postal service. But I think the one thing that you've seen, and this doesn't surprise me in the least, is you know when for guys that were going to that wedding, but also even stuff before the wedding and um, just this whole off season, is we've seen a lot of different things on social media between LeBron and. Uh, Russell Westbrook and everybody can talk about like, well, Russ is, you know, always going to be hard headed. He's going to do things his way. And I'm not saying he's going to totally change because he's not, but there is something different. Once you play with LeBron James, you know that you have to acquiesce to him, that he is the alpha. That's just the way it's going to be. And there is a respect there as well between those two guys to where I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. And, and I think that Russ even knows when it comes to what the role is going to be for Anthony Davis. So when it comes to this team's chemistry, yeah, there's a lot of different pieces that they have to work together and there's going to be some bumps, but I don't think it's going to take, you know, as long as some people think Because normally you would think like it's going to take a third of the season. I think it'd come together a little bit quicker than that. Maybe not, but I, I think it will come together a little bit quicker. The biggest thing is just going to be figuring out which guys get playing time and how much, because there are so many different new pieces on this team and figuring out where they all work. You know, this off season, there's been so much talk too about, are they going to change positions when it comes to starting? Like is Anthony Davis finally going to start at center? And LeBron's going to be the four. And even this offseason, there's some people saying, no, 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 no. That's that's still not going to change. It's not going to change. I think it is going to change. There's been more whispers about that. That's been going around that, like, yeah, the Lakers want to unlock that lineup the best they can. And they know to do that, it's with 80 at the five. And I think that's what's going to happen. And people can say, well, they went out and they got Dwight Howard and they got DeAndre Jordan. I don't think Jordan's really going to play. You know, except for a few minutes here or there. I think it's mostly going to be AD at center, and then Dwight's going to be his backup. And then the Lakers can kind of mix and match all these other lineups when it comes to all these different wing guys that they they picked up. And the big thing for this team is going to be the same old, same old. Can they pick up the defense uh, that they played the last couple of years with all these different pieces? You know, can they still have a really good defense? I think they can. And do they still have, do they have enough shooting? That's that's been the big question about them the last couple of years as well. They won a championship with a lot of questions about shooting. Now, mind you, they were shooting pretty hot in the, those playoffs as well in the bubble. But those are still going to be the two big questions. And the big thing too is you've got LeBron back, and that that's the ultimate answer to everything. If LeBron is healthy, if Anthony Davis stays healthy, if Russell Westbrook is healthy. I think they're the favorites out of the West. And then just depending on where we see where they're at, you know, you know, midway through the season and beyond, you know, are they going to be a team that can really contend with the bucks and the nets, you know, it's one thing to come out of the West, but it's another, can you really go toe to toe and beat, you know, the big teams in the East. And I think we'll know that by like mid season or just, uh, just after that. Okay. And I, another pickup too that I forgot to mention that I liked uh, was Ken Bazemore. I, I think uh, solid vet for them to have, and you know, you never have enough 
vets on a team that's looking to get gold. And I think that's the funny part too, uh, that kind of coincides with the last two teams that we talked about. There's a lot of <laughs> which, which band of, of vets uh, are going to get the title uh, between the Lakers and the Nets because <laughs> the, the, the Nets added all these guys that, you know, are, you know, towards the, the end of their careers and the Lakers did the same with the exception of, you know, Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. But, but I think the Lakers front office and coaching staff have told these guys, like, you're not promised anything. Like, remember, there was all these stories like Kent Bazemore got promised he was going to start. And then since then, Bazemore's like, they promised me nothing. I wanted to go there. Like, Melo has been very honest about this as well, going, I have been promised nothing. None of these guys have been promised anything. They're like, come here, contend, play with LeBron, play with AD. We possibly have a role for you on this team. We will see how it works out, but we want you here. And that's kind of what they bought into. Now, somebody like Malik Monk, I don't know what his role is going to be. He's going to play. And I think he's going to get regular playing time. I think Kendrick Nunn's going to get regular playing time. Rondo, I don't know if he's going to get regular playing time. Maybe, maybe not. And then when it comes to guys like, like Baysmore and Ellington, I don't know. It's one of these things. We'll have to see how the season goes. And Trevor Ariza too. (laughs) Yeah. I think Ariza will get a little bit more playing time because he does play defense. It's his shooting. That's obviously going to be the question mark. Um, But I think these other guys, I I just look at saying, I don't think anything was, anybody was promised anything or they, they go into the situation knowing like, Hey, we are trying to win a title. We know who's getting playing time when it comes to the big three here and everybody else just trying to, you know, find a role and to fit in. And if that means sacrificing playing time or you don't get playing time, Hey, you know what? Most of these guys, it's going to be a one-year situation and it is what it is. And they go into this going, Hey, I get to be part of something that could be special. Um, and I at least want to be a part of that. Um, and that means don't disrupt anything to where if for whatever reason, you're not getting the playing time or don't have the role that you were hoping for that you can't pout you're still part of something here yeah yeah i i'm looking forward to seeing if those two actually meet because you know we, we've been talking about it for so long you know like nets lakers we need kd versus lebron in the, the finals again like i just think though that the people that think that oh with westbrook there there's no way it's gonna work i'm like I think no it will. We're not, yeah i was gonna say don't I probably would say the same thing about, you know, when Kyle Lowry got the, you know, was a part of the the Raptors getting to the finals and he won finals. Like, you know, I always put, put these labels on these players that work their asses off. I never, I never understand it. Never understand the the viewpoints. And I don't know what it's for, or why it's seen that way, but I mean, it's, this Westbrook is, can absolutely get to an NBA championship. Yeah, and win th- one. I don't think this is a situation of Russ and Harden. No, I think it's a different situation. I am curious, though. I think we talked about it before. And we'll move on to the next thing because I know we talked Lakers a little bit too long. But LeBron, Russ, who's going to be off ball? I think it's probably going to be Bron more because yes. you know, Russ isn't really a I, shooter. I, I think I think Bron will have the ball more in his hands when Russ is off the court. Makes sense. And you're going to have you know no problem when someone's on the, uh, you know, riding the pine. Someone's going to be on there that's able to handle the ball and able to, you know, facilitate and they want they want multiple guys to be able to handle the ball that's been the other thing too for the lakers is they want other guys that can create their own shot yep you know or create it for somebody else so 
you know, and, you know, we didn't even talk about Taylor Horton Tucker, and that's going to be another big piece for them is saying what steps forward does he make? Good luck to Vogel finding the way to make a rotation work. It's a great problem to have, but it good is. luck. That, that's why I say it's so important for guys to go in this eyes wide open, knowing like, I think I've got this rule and maybe it does, doesn't work out that way for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on. We kind of got some news yesterday on Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, the release basically said that he's making good progress during the rehab process and he's on pace to return for the 21-22 season. Exact time for his return will be based on his progress. His return to full practices will be determined at a later date. That is straight from the team of the Golden State Warriors. So, with that said, you know, you think you're going to get Clay back sometime probably in the winter, maybe February-ish, March-ish, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Um, but you think about Steph Curry, still there. Uh, Draymond, you know, the band's still there. Uh, still got Andrew Wiggins. You got, you know, signed uh, Otto Porter. I think Nemanja Bialica was a sneaky signing for a team like this. Uh, Toscano Anderson, still a big part of this team. So I, I like the Warriors. I think the Warriors are, are going to be uh, really good. I think they're going to be able to, to hold their own ground. Um, I, contenders might be a stretch for me until Clay gets back. But I, I think five, six seed uh, is definitely not uh, something out of the realm of possibility. Um, especially if Steph goes scorched earth like he did last year. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I'd say that they can be contenders in the West, but it's also dependent on when Clay gets back, how quickly he's reinserted into the system. Luckily, he doesn't have to dribble in order to be effective. He just needs to catch the ball and fire away. Um, uh, but time will tell on that. I'm very curious to see when Clay is gonna come back like everybody else. I I think in a perfect world, he'd be back by Christmas, but I don't know if it's going to be by then. It could be. I mean, I think that he's obviously been working very hard, you know, at his return. And I'm not saying the team is hiding anything, but I, I wonder if he's a little bit closer than we realize. And it's not going to be the start They're being of the too coy. Yeah. You know, I kind of wonder, like, I think a lot of people are, I think just in case there's any kind of setbacks, it's like, let's think about, January, like mid-January, but there's a hope that obviously we can get him back sooner than then, you know, and I still think that there's some other moves this team could make um, if they really wanted to around the trade deadline, they, they could do something. Uh, even going into camp, I don't know how big of an impact it would have, but I'm waiting to see. There's been some rumblings that Isaiah Thomas might sign with the team. Maybe he'll just get like a camp invite and, um, you know, that would, that would be an interesting addition to see where he's at with his game now, because he and his camp are trying to say his hips, not giving him any problems now and he can dunk. Um, and of course you're going to say that because you know, they're, they're trying to get on with the team. Um, but he would be a nice kind of role player to add, you know, that team, another guy that could shoot. So, you know, I, I'm with you though, when it comes to the warriors, I think there's a lot of people that say, well, once they get clay back, they're instantly contenders. I think, they're a really good team, but it still feels to me like they'd be missing one piece. And I'm with you in that, like, 
five, six seed in the West, especially with Clayback. But contenders, it's tough for me to get there. I'm also curious to see with, you know, the injuries and stuff like that. By the way, getting Iggy back's huge. Uh, just this is probably his final season, finals two season, whatever amount of time he's going to play with the Warriors. This is probably his last team. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see if they try anything, throwing Moses Moody or Jonathan Kaminga out there too. Um, you know, two lottery picks. You know, I think know. they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to play those guys. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued and, and genuinely curious to see uh, how they handle those situations. But no, I mean, just like I said, got the band back together. Uh, you know, bringing Iggy back. You still, you have Clay. Still have Draymond. Still have Steph. So the core's still there. The core's still there. Um, next up, this one's interesting because we could kind of <laughs> talk about. Trey Young's uh, summer of, of of hilarity here. Uh, can the the Hawks and the Knicks repeat or even improve on what they did last season? So uh, let's start with with Atlanta here. Trey having a summer of, of amazing proportions appears on WWE TV, has a laugh, goes to Madison Square Garden, gets booed, all that jazz. Uh, then he's at the Oklahoma game last week, and he gets an amazing view of this interception. Uh, he's just having a good old time right now. Uh, but as, as far as on the court goes, I think the Hawks can absolutely build on what they they uh, established last season. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be a huge part of that. Um, but again, I'm going to kind of go back to the Bucks. The fact that Atlanta made the Eastern Conference Finals means that expectations are going to be through the roof. And I want to see how they respond to that. I want to see how they respond to that. Um, I love what they're building there. I love the the camaraderie and the fact that they have their future all tied up, really. Trey Young got his extension. John Collins signed his deal. Clint Capella's locked up for a while. Bogdan Bogdanovich is locked up for a while. They got to figure out what they're doing with Kevin Herter here. Um, but I think he's going to get his extension. That's probably going to happen here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. But they've got their core together. I mean, shoot. Let's see it through. Let's see it through. Let's see what they, they can do together. Um, you know, we mentioned last year, Nate McMillan, once he took over, that they were just a better team closing games. Um, you know, defensively, still – you know, pretty, pretty improved team from years past. Um, you know, there's still a lot to to be left desired uh, as far as wing defense goes, other than DeAndre Hunter, because DeAndre Hunter is really good at that. Depends, you know, on whether they're going to keep Cam Reddish or not. I don't know because they're spending a lot of money. <laughs> uh, they are, but that's what it takes but, to be a contender, and I, yes, I think they knew yes. that. And you know, this this is a team that I mean. They surprised everybody with how quickly they uh, kind of rose up the ranks last season. I think they're just going to build on that. But at the same time, because the East is so good, this is a team to me that is primed to have a better regular season than they had last year, but not go as far in the playoffs. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and, you you know, we, yeah. we throw the Knicks in there with that. And, you know, they both those teams finished 41 and 31 last season. But the Knicks are the team I look at, and I do wonder if they take a step back 
next year. And I'm not saying that they miss the playoffs or anything like that, but they're the team that I think could still be, I think they could be around 500 or just a little bit better. And that, yes, they bring everybody back and they also add Kemba Walker. But, you know, with how hard they play during the regular season, everything that goes into that system, I just wonder how much better they're going to be or if they really are going to be better. Um, and that to that, you know, just how deep the East is. And, you know, I mentioned Kemba, the, you know, Fournier joins the team as well. And obviously Julius Randle is back and Derek Rose is back. And let's see if it'll be top and plays any better. Mitchell and Robinson, Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, you know, and Alec Burks. So there's, there's a lot of things going on there. I just, I just look at them as a team and saying, they might have overperformed more than any other team last year. And that was just based on a new coach, new style, and everybody buying in and the effort that went into that because everybody plays hard all the time. But there could be a little bit of a burnout in that system as well. And that's what I'm going to be looking at when it comes to the Knicks. That could be true. They might have overperformed last year. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking at, how much RJ Barrett's going to take a step forward this year. And I know that's one of your questions on the outline here. Um, I really like RJ Barrett. I think he's had this steady development curve over, you know, his, his embryonic career at this moment. Um, just as a, a playmaker, uh, as somebody who's confidently shooting threes, his length, we've talked about it before. He's not the, the most you know, athletic guy or quickest guy, but he just seems to be solid. Um, he's getting very meaningful reps, uh, end of game situations. Um, I, I really like RJ Barrett a lot. Uh, I, I think that he's going to take a step forward. I know that Julius Randall, you know, first year of that contract probably might feel the heat a little bit, you know? Um, but that's okay because he has some guys to take the pressure off of him a little bit. Um, Kemba Walker, as long as he stays healthy, and I think this is a really good role for Kemba because he doesn't have to be the quote-unquote go-to guy. Um, he's also got some really solid backup with, with Derrick Rose and Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, I think, you know, Fournier, well, one, he's made the you know same amount of money over the last, you know, what, five, six years. He's just uh, been really... Good shooter for the for the magic. I mean, the, the the value is definitely a little high, but I think in a role where he's not gonna be needed to, you know, again, be the go-to guy. Like Orlando needed someone to score last year before he got traded off to Boston and he averaged damn near 20 points a game. Uh he just needs to shoot threes. He's essentially gonna be placed in that Reggie Bullock role, honestly. And for somebody that's been around the league as long as he has, started as many games as he has, has taken on the the minute load that he has, damn near 30 minutes a night over the course of his career, I think it's a really solid pickup. Uh, so I, I don't mind that, you know, they they broke out the, the bank for him a little bit. I know that the the well was a little dry on the, the wing market, but I think offensively they got better. Uh, defensively, I think it's not going to matter quite as much because they get Mitch Robinson back. You still have Nerlens Noel uh, coming from behind there. I think that they have, you know, some solid versatility and length, some strength 
um, to help with that department. You have some intriguing rookies that you might be able to throw in there, here and there. No, I, I for one, am really intrigued by Quentin Grimes and Miles McBride. I, I think they got something. I think they got something. I don't think they're going to have quite a number four or number five seed this year because, again, like you said, the East got better and better. But I think that they can definitely make the playoffs um, and not be in a play-in tournament situation. I don't think they're not going to make the postseason. How about that? Regardless of the way... Regardless of the way it shakes out, when it comes to the postseason, I think another team that I'm really curious to be watching uh, coming up this season is the LA Clippers, because we know they're going to be without Kawhi for most of the season, or maybe even all of the season. So, how are the Clippers going to fare uh, without Kawhi and leaning on Paul George? Super Saiyan Paul George. And you know the uh, the roster that they had last season because basically they brought um, everybody back, um, and they added Eric Bledsoe. Woohoo! Um, but everybody else is you know gonna have those same kind of roles, and we'll see you know what what can they do without Kawhi Leonard there, and they're gonna be leaning more you know on guys like Marcus Morris and. You know, Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson's back, and obviously he showed up big in the playoffs. Can Serge Ibaka get healthy and be the addition that they thought he was going to be last season? Um, can Nick Batum play as well as he did last season? So there's a lot of questions when it comes uh, to the Clippers going into the season without Kawhi. Lots of questions. Lots of questions. And as a uh, Clipper supporter, as a supporter of Teron Liu, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on it. I'm kind of iffy on it. And that's not because I don't believe in a guy like Paul George. I think Paul George is going to have damn near an all-NBA season next year uh, if he can stay healthy. Um, it's just tough to see a path to comp- competing for a championship in the West this year without a healthy Kawhi Leonard. It's it is. Tough. I mean, it's even if tough. Kawhi gets back in time for the playoffs, it's just like he ain't going to be 100%, I would not think, coming off uh, you know a torn ACL. You know, they, you know, they may have gotten, you know, kind of deeper. I, I think also losing, you know, Patrick Beverly um, is, is different for them. Something they're going to have to get used to. Uh, I, I don't think know, that's I, a bad thing, though. I, I think I'm it was time for a change. That. Yeah. Uh, just, just from a, a locker room perspective, you know, there's sure. a Clipper team that hasn't had, you know, been without Patrick Beverly or a Lou Williams for the last seven years, six, seven years. Right, and so it's not the like they have a lot person. of other vocal leaders. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not known for being the most boisterous guy in the locker room. Exactly. I'm looking at this, too. I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, where's the vocal leadership? Nick Batum, maybe? I, I, Nick Batum this is where I think – I honestly think Reggie Jackson needs to step up here. Okay. Or Marcus okay. Morris. Fair enough. Um, their big situation I like. I, I, I like taking a flyer on a guy like Justice Winslow. Uh, same thing goes for Harry Giles, you know. Former first-round picks that, you know, just haven't been able to get it going offensively or just haven't been consistent offensively like that. But I think you're going to really be impressed by Justice Winslow's playmaking abilities. Um, He's basically, you know, in a 6'6 body, forwards body, he's basically a point guard, if you remember what he did with Miami uh, down down his last uh, years with them. But, uh, you know, bringing... Bledsoe back into the fold. I'm curious how this 
rotation and starting lineup looks, especially because of the development of Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann, that's somebody, if, if, if you have a fantasy team and you're looking to, to get somebody for some value, Terrence Mann's the guy. He's the guy. This is a, a guy who's going to be one of those step forwards, especially if Kawhi Leonard isn't able to get back into the fold. I think Terrence Mann eventually, you know, just takes off. Um, I, I like, you know, their their draft class. They're the second rounder they got, uh, Jason Preston from OU, a fellow Mac member, uh, as myself here in Akron Zip. He is an Ohio Bobcat, going to be pulling for Mr. Preston. Uh, really cool story there. Brandon Boston Jr. from Kentucky, another guy who was thought to be a top 10 prospect coming into the season and just had a not so great season with the Wildcats. And so he fell all the way uh, to the back end of the second round. So uh, Clippers took, uh, took a gamble there. Well, not really a gamble. They just kind of took an opportunity there to bring him in. Um, Keon Johnson from Tennessee is a first round pick for them as well. So they're, they're going to be developing here behind the scenes, but veteran wise, uh, They've got enough uh, to, you know, to bring them along. But again, back to the normal point, don't think they're going to be able to be in contention at least this year. Yeah, I I agree. You know, I, I don't think they're necessarily going to miss the playoffs, but they're not contenders. And um, I just want to see how far do they slip without Kawhi? And, you know, I, I mean, Watch them start really hot. Watch I them know. start they, like they eight and two. They absolutely could, which, you know, and then shut all of us up. So we'll, we'll just have to see if they can sustain it, though. Um, you know, another question for this season that I'm really looking forward to, and, and something we've, we've talked about, you know, in, in previous podcasts, is because this draft class was so heralded, well, I want to see what kind of impact these rookies have immediately on this upcoming season because – you know, we talk so much about Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green and Evan Mobley and, you know, some other guys as well that like what kind of impact can they have immediately? And some of these are going to be on some bad teams and they're going to be putting up, you know, probably some big numbers. But I, it, we get to that point now where we've been talking about these guys for so long and now, you know, we get to finally see them play in the NBA and we can really see if they can deliver the goods from the get-go. Yeah, and I think that they will. Reason being, and, and hear me out, last season's rookies had no shortcuts whatsoever. Like, they had no preparation. They had to get thrown right into training camp about three weeks after they got drafted. Uh, no summer league, barely a preseason, and then boom, season's here. Get ready. Go out there and play 30 minutes. That's at least exactly how it went for Isaac Okoro and for Tyrese Halliburton and, you know, all of these guys that played these, these roles so quickly. Um, this time the class 21 had a summer league is going to have a training camp that's extended and, and normal in size and in length. Um, they're going to have, you know, some preparation uh, and some help in that area. So I do think that they're going to have a really solid impact. Uh, I don't know how much it's going to impact winning because usually the case is for teams that are in the lottery or, or in the top five or in the top 10, whatever you, whatever you want to describe it as, those teams just aren't good. There's a reason they're there, and there's a reason they're there for multiple years in a row. Uh, so 
I don't think it's going to impact winning for some of these guys. However, however, um, but I think it's, I think it's a really good, good sign that they had the preparation that they had, you know? And off of that, when it comes to the rookie class, and it's something that you kind of mentioned before, what players do we think are going to take a big step forward this coming season? And I think we've got some really good young talent that are primed for this. You know, we've talked about the dominance that we've already seen from a Luka Doncic. And I'm curious to see if he can take yet that next step coming up here. You remember last season, he looked like he was out of shape for half of the season and you know, going into the season, he was one of the favorites to be the MVP, and he didn't really look like an MVP guy until the second half of the season. So I want to see, you know, what Luca can do. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. with the Nuggets. Um, let's see if he can continue his growth, you know, and take an even bigger step forward, especially with Jamal Murray missing part or most of the upcoming season with his knee injury. Uh, John Moran with the Grizzlies yep. was another guy that, you know, he took a step forward last year, I thought, but I want to see even more, especially if Jalen Jackson Jr. can, you know, stay healthy and we get that one-two punch between those two guys. And then um, let's see what Zion can do, you know, with New Orleans, because here we go. He's got another coach, you know, third, co- third coach, <laughs> third year, you know, and all these different questions, you know, kind of about, about that roster and, you know, can he stay, you know, we want to see him stay healthy on the court and kind of develop chemistry you know, with his teammates and get a coaching staff that's going to be there beyond a season. So, um, and we'll see. You, exactly- you name, you name, you name some Western guys. Let me, I'll name some uh, Eastern guys. Please do. Um, so OG Ananobi is the, the very favorite of basketballnews.coms. If you go and look at any of our round tables or the, the three articles we've had in the last, uh, like two weeks on OG Ananobi, uh, our staff really likes his chances uh, to step up in that role, uh, which makes sense because Kyle Lowry's off to, to Miami and he'll need to, you know, uh, kind of be dependent on more in an on-ball role. Um, and also, you know, knowing that Pascal Siakam had his struggles last year, um, OG might take it a little bit more upon himself to be an offensive uh, scorer um, and offensive presence for that team. Uh, I am specifically looking out for Darius Garland to have a near all-star caliber season. Uh I, I know that, you know, being in Cleveland, that can be seen as a homer pick. But just look at the facts. Dude was part of the Team Select uh, USA uh, program this summer. Uh, he has really, uh, really, you know, shown, shown signs of of adding muscle, uh, getting an inch or two taller. If you just look at the videos, I mean, that's not even just from sourcing. That's just like by looking at the pictures. Um, he looks like he's in really solid shape. Uh, seems to be really, um, you know, third year is usually when those guys take their next step. And now you look at Garland, who had the third highest um, completion of of lobs in the NBA, by the way, last year, who has three centers who can go up and dunk now, or three big guys that can go up and dunk. It's Mobley, it's Allen, and even Larry Markkinen can go up and get one from, from time and time again. Uh, so I think that, Garland uh, is is really set for a breakout season here coming up. I'm curious to see how that, you know, dynamic works out uh, with Colin Sexton playing off the ball, which he did a really good job of last year. And they showed some really solid chemistry uh, in, in bursts uh, last season. So uh, Garland's another guy. So Ananobi Garland, uh, you know, there's, there's more on this list. I think 
that you can look at DeAndre Hunter certainly being a case. Um, you know, as long as he's healthy, that's somebody who really improved his off the dribble game uh, ability to score, uh, shoot the basketball, and really complement guys like Trey Young and John Collins in that offense. Uh, you know, young guys wise, I think that's probably uh, who I would focus on. Uh, I, I like Detroit's core. You know, um, I, like everyone's got their attention on Cade Cunningham, but I'm a big fan of Sadiq Bay. I think he's uh, somebody also to to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, the, the obvious ones are obviously, you know, like LaMelo, but like he, he's he's going to have a starting role, but he's also been playing with with expectations as well. Uh, so those are just a few names, I think, in the East uh, we can keep an eye on as far as taking that next step. And here's the last two things about uh, this upcoming season that I'm, I'm curious about too. And it's two teams with uh, in the East that are very intriguing. And I think have interesting lineups, interesting rosters. One being the Pacers in that, can they get back to where the expectations were with a new head coach and Rick Carlisle? And the other team is the Chicago Bulls and their new roster, how that's all made up and how is that going to fit and work, especially in a deep Eastern conference? Because I think that's the most polarizing team that is out there when it comes to the Bulls, because there's some people that love them and say, hey, this is a team that could be as high as a four seed. And there's other people that say, I wonder if they're going to be a playing team or, you know, they're going to be around kind of that area. So there, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different opinions about the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the Pacers, you know, I think they've got a really talented roster. It's just, can they kind of put it together after what happened last season? Yeah, no. And, and this is, I think, other than, other than Ben Simmons, I think this is the thing we've talked about the most on this podcast over the offseason is the Bulls being so polarizing to the the basketball audience. Say, so look, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm not stupid. I think that right. regardless of, of how the fit happens, it's just too much talent for them to miss out on 10 the teams get into the playoffs with the plan. And, you know, out of, you know, when I look in the, in the East, I, I can sit there and point out, like, I feel pretty confident that, you know, they're probably going to be like right there. You know, right. they, you know, now there, there's a chance. Because, like I said, the East is so deep, but I feel like they should. They're to me, they're contenders for playing tournament, maybe the eighth seed. But I think you're a little bit higher up on the Bulls um, when it comes to you know their chances, uh, you know, for being a higher seed. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. I just think, again, very similar styled players all in one lineup. Um, you're going to have to turn, you know. Some guys into spot-up shooters. Some guys are – you got to find dis- distribution, I guess, is the way that, that I want to look at this. Even distribution, uh, making sure guys, you know, all get their touches, and then defensively finding a method that works uh, to where you're not getting blown by. Your rim protection isn't the greatest, so uh, you want to make sure that they're secure there on the outside. Uh, Patrick Williams is going to have a lot on his plate. Uh, you know, Vooch can get some blocks here and there. Don't get me wrong, but he's just not, he doesn't have the reputation of being an amazing, uh, you know, deterrent uh, inside. So that I think uh, is going to be important. Um, you know, Zach's got to take 
the three still, but he's also got to get inside. We know that DeMar's going to light it up from mid-range. So they have all the, the areas covered. Lonzo's probably going to be posted up in the corner. I'll uh, make some second-side action plays, passes, what have you. They've got depth. You know, I, I like Caruso being on that team. I just wonder how it's, it's just, all going to yeah. fit in. Can they play good enough defense? Because mm-hmm. that that that's going to be very very tough for them. You know, is can can they put it together defensively? I feel pretty good about the offense, but can yeah. they put it together on the other side of the court? Now with the Pacers, it's like I I look at them and you can see the roles and you can see how everything kind of fits. It's whatever malaise they were in last year with that coaching staff and. Obviously, they did have some injuries, and T.J. Warren is still out, and he's dealing with a stress fracture in his foot, and we don't know when he's going to come back, but you've got the veteran coach there in Rick Carlisle. you yeah. still got a lot of talent on this team oh, between yeah. Sabonis and Brogdon, and when you get Warren back, and Karis LeVert, can he fit in a little bit better than last year? Because I think that didn't mesh the way that they wanted, so that's going to be the curious thing is like, can the Pacers get back to where they think they belong, you know, in the East, probably in that four, five, six range, at least, you know, and have a strong case in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And you make a good point about Karis LeVert. I mean, you know, last year, you know, it wasn't like disastrous on the court, but you could tell that obviously, you know, he's a little distracted. (laughs) I mean, the guy, you know, got diagnosed with a damn uh, cancer diagnosis. So like, Obviously, that's going to affect some things and, you know, traveling to a new team and having to incorporate himself there. Um, I think that, you know, once that's not on his mind coming up this year, um, he's going to be great. And, and and I don't think he was necessarily bad last year. Um, I just think that, you know, he had to find himself, his 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 role, um, his fit with this team. It, which is, you know, can be difficult when a guy like Sabonis is getting the ball a lot on the block. Uh, you know, Brogdon's the one setting things up often. So, you know, he didn't quite have the ball in his hands as much. I think that they'll have a solid rapport between the three of them this year. I think that, you know, it, it sucks for them losing uh, Sumner, but they'll have, uh, you know, Jeremy Lamb back if he's around still. Uh, I think that they have to be encouraged by what O'Shea Brissett did last year. Um, you know, obviously still have Miles Turner around. That's always the question. It's been the same question the last three years. <laughs> can Miles Turner and Domas Sabonis play at the same time? Can they coexist uh, as as basketball players? Um, I think that we'll see them more split up than not with Carlisle, but I guess we'll see. We'll see on that front. Yeah. Uh, I feel but, better about the Pacers than I do the Bulls. Interesting. Interesting. I feel I feel better about the Bulls depth than I do the Pacers. But I like the Pacers starting lineup better, I think. Yeah. How about that? Oh, and I love the pickup of Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig, great pickup. Always around that playoff picture. Always involved in those, those big games. Uh, bringing TJ McConnell back after he had 1,000 steals. That might not be an exaggeration, by the way. <laughs> um, but I, I do like this Pacers team, and I think that Carlisle coming back into a a situation where you know he's got to be comfortable. He has pre-existing relationships um, around the city and within the organization. Um, so we'll see what they can do together. And, you know, you know, going through the roster, you know, you mentioned T.J. Warren. I think Justin Holiday is another guy who's been really consistent through his career. 
uh, just in his his role uh, to providing production uh, when it's asked of him. And he was their Iron Man last year. Played all seventy two games. Uh, played a career high, a, a uh, not a career high, but uh, close to a career high thirty minutes a game. You know, gave him eleven points a night, and uh, you know, shot thirty eight percent from deep. So, you know, he's another guy that that's in there. That's a, a solid player that can provide you know, solid depth for them. Um, and, and that's in addition, again, to, you know, the all-stars that they have uh, in Sabonis. And I think he might not be an all-star, but I think Brogdon's close to an all-star level uh, point guard. Well, that's just 10 things when it comes to this upcoming season. I'm, I'm sure we'll think of some some other stuff coming up here. I'm, it doesn't feel like the season's about to start, but it actually <laughs> is crazy, about to start, man. which is absolutely nuts. But we've got to wrap up here because I got to go, but... I, I know that we have to bring this up because you mentioned at the beginning. Our two football teams are meeting on the gridiron dun, 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 dun. in Cleveland. Um, it looks like Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback for the Bears Woo-hoo. against the Browns. And you know how mixed feelings I have to have about that for, for reasons. Right. Reasons known. So, I mean, the Browns are big favorites or should be. I don't know what the line is on this game, actually, but I should look that we up. We won't be as big favorites as we were this week, and we did not cover. We did not cover. But Justin Fields, former Ohio State Buckeye, couldn't like the dude anymore. I, I, I wish him nothing but success. Your team's but favored by start. seven. See, I was going to say, it wasn't that large of a discrepancy especially for a rookie quarterback on the road. But, hey, Davis Mills threw a p- for, a, for a touchdown against us. So, But, no, looking forward you're to that. You're starting quarterback for the Houston Texans? <sighs> but I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward I, to it. I am it. too, man. I mean. You, we need I, to lay something I, on I the line here. I know you want to lay something. I don't. I mean, hey, I'm a Bears fan, but at the same time, I'm realistic about this stuff. Hmm. Are we going money line or are we going spread? I feel you like we me. have to go money liner or straight up. Yeah. I think bets are always best straight up. <laughs> no advantages. I can't lay yeah. can't lay a touchdown to you. Well, if you want to give me a touchdown, I mean I'll take it. I'm not gonna want to give you a touchdown. Why not? Seven and a half then? You want to give me seven and a half? I'm not giving you the hook either. You're you're uh, crazy. Damn it. What's the bet? I don't know. Okay, I got easy one. I got I got the bet. I got the bet. Okay, okay. The loser next week on the podcast has to sing the other team's uh, team song. Okay. Okay. All right. You and provide to, the words. <laughs> I was going to say, all you have to do is look on YouTube. I'm sure you can do it karaoke style. Yes. And same with the, the Bears. The Bears yeah, you need song. The, you need the Bernie Kosar song. If the you Bears want to. song is so old, they mentioned the T formation in it. Because there's ancient, a ancient times. There is a line that says, "You'll never forget the way we thrill the nation with our T formation." Oh my goodness! I, I either have to make you sing the Bernie Kosar song or the the Cleveland Browns of first and ten song. I, there's mm. there's two suggestions for you, and I might make you uh, sing the Bernie Kosar one okay. because that's the shirt that I had on yesterday. Yeah, legend, Cleveland legend, by the way. All right, we got the bet. We got the bet. We got the bet, and I know Brian's got to get out of here, so we're gonna wrap it up. Tell you to. Check out basketballnews.com. Of course, we got 10 other great podcasts for you to listen to. I'll go ahead and name those for you right now. The Rex Chapman Show Season 2 is starting coming up here soon. Neat and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin. The Postcast with James Posey. Dishes and Dines with the Ladies. The Rematch with Eton Thomas. 
The Dunker Spot, also season two, coming up next week with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan. The Follow Through with Clips and Drew. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy and guests. And of course, NBA Top Shot Weekly with Oliver Maroney and Alex Kennedy as well. So make sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment. Do the same for us. Here are your boys keeping it 94. And again, check out basketballnews.com. Got season previews coming up for you, division by division, team by team, articles, interviews, film breakdowns, all that good stuff. So make sure you visit basketballnews.com. And until the next episode of Keeping It 94, after media day, when we talk about Ben Simmons not reporting to Philadelphia, we'll talk to you then. <laughs>